0: Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat real quick and let's jump into this. You know, this is the absolute, um, we've come to understand, busiest day of our lives here in this church. And the whole year, there is not a day out there that ends up being more busy than what we're experiencing today. And it's kind of that exciting thing because um, this afternoon, this evening, however you want to look at that, um, is our Pulse Uh, worship service where we're just going to come in here we're going to worship for a while be in the presence of God hear a message and just have a chance to uh, to respond to that and then um, between now and pulse um, we were going to you hear me say that we were going to we were going to gather together at three o'clock and sort through all of the food we have approximately just a little over 300 people worth of food that you brought in that we are going to take out to people. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm excited about that. And then it just so happens, and I'm going to preach about a storm today from Luke chapter 8 if you want to be going there. It just so happens that there is a storm is going to be sitting on Richmond, and the worst part of it is going to be at 3 o'clock today. (laughs) So at 3 o'clock in an absolute deluge of water, we're gonna go knock on doors and say, "Hey, we just want to bless you in the name of Jesus." Not really, not really. Um, I just want to tell you that if you're friends of of, uh, of the, uh, excuse me, if you're fans of the friends group, uh, the, the the video, the show, then we're gonna pivot. You know what that means, right? So it's like pivot, pivot. We're pivoting. This is us pivoting. What's gonna happen, as soon as this service is over, all of that food out there is gonna get sorted by anybody that would like to stay and be a part of that. If you're watching online and you're like, no, we're coming to the second service. We were gonna be there at three o'clock to sort. We are sorting at 1045. That's when we're gonna start sorting. We're gonna just start sorting food. Our goal is that anybody that would like to go out and still be a part of this, because we still want to do this, we still want to reach into um, some places in Richmond that need some food, we want to go there. Um, That is going to take place between 11 and 11.15, 11, we're going to start sending people out. We're just going to start sending them out. And it's just a matter of going in, knocking on the door and say, hey, you know, we just want to bless you in the name of Jesus. Um, can you? It's staple foods. It's not specifically Thanksgiving foods. It's staple foods um, that people might need. They could put it on their shelf, save it for later. And then if you'd like to, and we would like you to, um, invite them to church and pray with them. The most important part is the pray with them part. And you say, oh, no, that terrifies me. I can't pray out loud. Listen, we've been putting you through praying out loud in small groups for a long time, okay? Now, if you're not in a small group, you're probably going to burn in hell, okay? No, I don't mean that, okay, welcome to the vineyard, okay? But no, really, um, it's okay, okay? All you have to do is just talk to Jesus. Just bless these people. And if you don't want to, then your group leader can can pray for them, and that's just absolutely fine. But we still want to make a difference. If we don't get to take all the food out, then we are going to begin to stock the closet for our food pantry here and begin to go down the road of getting that geared back up to where we have food in here as people come into the church, then we can give them enough food to hold them over till they can get to God's pantry or something like that uh, and get them help. And at the same time, if they come in to get food, we want to pray with them, we want to talk with them, um, we want to see if we can't help them beyond that, because that has always been part of the vision of this church. And it got it got uh, uh, sideways uh, during the last couple of years, and uh, we're going to gain that back. We're going to grab a hold of that. We're going to put it right back in the front of our church and say we are here to make a difference in people's lives, period, end of discussion. Like them or not, friends or not, enemies or not, doesn't matter. We're here to help people that need help, and that's all there is to it. So welcome to the biggest day of the year here uh, at the Vineyard. Now, I'm going to whip this baby out right here. I have one of these. If you've got your little smart implement that you want to, you know, your iPad, iPhone, um, you know, somebody actually came up to me with an Android this morning and I thought, wow, you know, it's like, you know, they invented the wheel, right? And it's like, no, not really, not really. Android's probably better. It probably is better. I understand. Don't send me emails, okay, because I won't read them. Um, but anyway, if you want to pull that out, I'm going to use my Bible. It will always uh, appear up there. But I want to share this story with you because I was thinking about being thankful. And sometimes in the midst of the storm, and it just so happens there's a storm today, you know, it's hard to be thankful, right? You know, I'm like, Lord, we're trying to do an outreach here. Could you just throw us a bone? You know, and all day I've been like, the storm's going to move on. The Lord's going to give us clear window. It's going to be great. And and, and it could still happen. But in the meantime, we're pivoting. Okay. And the Lord knew I was going to pivot. So we're just going to go with it. But I want to look at this passage, just a couple of verses in Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 22 and just reading down through verse 25. Okay. This is what it says. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, one day, okay? He doesn't put like March 5th or something like that. Luke is just writing to Theophilus. He's trying to say, listen, I need to prove to you that Jesus is a Christ. He is the Son of God. And so this letter from Luke is the letter to Theophilus that's doing just that. And so everything about the letter of Luke is not necessarily chronological, okay? It's vaguely chronological because all of a sudden you'll be reading along in Luke and he'll say, oh yeah, and one day... Jesus did this, but it's right in the the path of what's going on. So one day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, they were sailing, okay, he fell into a sleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him up and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Just like that. Where's your faith? He asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the waters and they obey him. And I just want to stop right there, okay? That's, that's all I'm going to deal with today. That's all I want to look at. But somewhere in here, the Holy Spirit wants to say something to you, so let's just have a prayer, okay? Let's just have a prayer. Father, as we come before you right now. We thank you and we praise you for this day. We don't know what you're going to do, and we don't know the why for us, God. It could be the prince of the power of the air is just attacking what, what the church was going to be doing today. And God, in the name of Jesus, I would just rebuke that weather. I, I rebuke the enemy, and I just command, just get out of here. We don't, we don't have time for you. And in the meantime, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts. I pray that you would settle us down, help us to let go of yesterday, help us to not not process tomorrow. God, we're not in tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to have it tomorrow. If you blow the trumpet, we come home. But right now, we just need to be in your presence, and you want to say something to us as individuals. And so I just ask and pray that you would begin to open this up and make it very, very real to us. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. All right, so we've got this picture, and it's a picture of Jesus and his disciples, and Jesus just says, hey, let's, let's go to the other side of the lake. And so they get into a fishing boat. The fishing boat would be approximately, it, it would be most likely, 30 feet long. It's approximately 30 feet long, okay? They didn't whip out their craftsmen, you know, tape measure and measure it, but that's how big fishing boats were back then, and they had sails, one big sail. If you look it up, and you can just Google it and say, hey, fishing boats on the Sea of Galilee in Jesus's day. Boom, up will come a 30-foot fishing boat with one sail in the middle of it, okay? And Jesus, where they were, says, hey, let's go to the other side of this lake. The lake's like uh, eight and a half miles long, about five miles wide, Sea of Galilee, Sea of Gennesaret, Tenerith, um, uh, Gadare- it, it's, it's called a whole bunch of things, okay? But they're sailing over to the area of the Gadarenes, Gergesenes, um, Kerosenes, uh, all, all those, okay? It's, it's, again, Roman, Hellenistic, pick a name. Everybody's calling it the same thing, but in their own language, and that's what's going on. We're gonna sail to the other side. Shouldn't take all day to do it. It's not like they're crossing the Atlantic Ocean. They're just going over there, and they're gonna head out. It's gonna be a good thing, and so that's what they're gonna do. But I just wondered, because when we look at this thing, Jesus gets in a boat, and the first thing he does is he falls asleep. And when I read that, I cannot help but think of my wife and I heading up to see her mom. My wife and I heading to Walmart. I get in the car, I push the button, you know, we don't have keys anymore, right? You You push a button now to start your car. So you get in the car, you push the button to start the car, and my wife, it's like, and she's out. She's sound asleep. I'm driving to Walmart by myself. I'm going to Myers all alone with her in the car. It's great. If I'm going to her mom's, then she lays the seat back. And that seems to be the way it is with Jesus. He gets in the boat and he says, all right, push off. We're going over to the garrisons, the Gatherines, whatever you want to call it. He says, and as they push off, Jesus heads to the back of the boat and he goes to sleep. He just goes to sleep. We're just going to sail across the water. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be great. No motor going, bum, 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 bum. None of that. It's just a sailboat, 30 foot sailboat, and they're headed across 12 guys, uh, 13 of them with Jesus, in the boat, and that's what's going on. And so as they head across, the wind begins to kick up, the storm, the waves, everything starts raging, and and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not not understanding, except that he's the Son of God, how he's staying asleep, you know, because if you've ever been in a 30-foot boat that has bounced around on the ocean uh, when you were out deep sea fishing or anything like that, uh, the last thing you want to do is close your eyes and go to sleep. That's just not on the list of things to do. Hey, listen... Captain, you got this? I'm going to go in the back. I'm just going to go ahead and lay down for a little while. I'm throwing up over the side of the boat. That's me, okay? And I know that I'm not normally a deep sea fisherman, so being on the open water like that, you know, it tends to do things to me and stuff. But still, it's bouncing around, going up and down like that, and and suddenly Jesus is sound asleep and they think, we're going to die, we're going to die. And that's what's going on. They go and they say, Jesus, listen, you got to wake up. Jesus wakes up and says, man, where's your faith? And he says, peace, be still, calms down. And they finish sailing to the other side, and and they get over there. And the next thing that happens is they get accosted by a demon-possessed man. But, you know, that story goes on. It's not what we're looking at today, okay? I began to look at this because I've often wondered how Jesus does what Jesus did. How does he do that? And I love that Jesus says, hey, I have an idea. Let's go to the other side of the lake. What do you think about that? There's a demon-possessed guy over there, and I'm thinking maybe I'm just going to go ahead and heal him up a little bit. It's going to be awesome. Let's just go to the other side of the lake. I often wondered if Jesus didn't say, hey, guys, i got an idea. Let's go down to Jerusalem. I want to push some Pharisees around and just make them really angry. (laughs) This is going to be awesome. Watch what I do to these religious people. I wonder if Jesus did that. Was there a Dunkin' Donuts on the other side? I mean, just it's like he wakes up, it's breakfast time. He, there, it's like, let's go to the other side of the lake. And it's like, did one of the 12 disciples have a girlfriend over there? Hey, we're going to stop over at her house. All of these things go through my house when I um, get ready for a sermon. And it's mostly because I'm sick. You know, I'm weird that way. It's just like, really, those are the things you think about when you're thinking about Jesus? Yes, I'm always thinking about, what did it really look like? Why did they do that? In my head, Jesus moved three and a half years through ministry, and everything was planned out. Everything was orchestrated, and it's like, yeah, tomorrow we get up, we're going to go down to Bethesda, Bethesda, we're going to heal some people, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Um, Hey, and then uh, next week we're going to head over to Jerusalem, they're going to take me up on a hill because they don't like what I say, they're going to try to throw me off, but I'm not going to get thrown off, I'm just going to walk. I mean, in my head, everything is scripted for Jesus, and I learn in this passage that it's not. There are things that are scripted. Being born was scripted. Living his life for 30 years and then ministry for 33 years was scripted. Dying on the cross was scripted. But every single day of every single moment was not scripted. And sometimes we we kind of think that it is, don't we? It's like, Jesus, how do I stay inside of your will? And we we want to put one foot in front of the other. And that's not what it means to walk with God. The narrow way is still a way. And you can move in the narrow way and still be following Jesus. I was thinking about this and I thought, you know what? They went to bed the night before and had no clue what they were going to do the next day. They had no clue. They went to bed and Jesus didn't say it till the next day when he said, hey, you know what? Let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's go over there. It's such an insight to how he was doing ministry. Did Jesus just get an idea and say, here, hold my wine? i got an idea. Let's try that. Let's go to Jerusalem where there's some religious people. No, no. When, you're, when you were a child, what was your idea of pushing the limits? You know, we've heard a lot of jokes about, welcome to Kentucky, here, hold my beer. I got an idea. It's like, no, 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 no. But when you were a kid, what was, your, what was your thing? What was your like, yeah, we got an idea one time. It was stupid. But it sounded good at the time. You know, When I was a kid, I was raised on military bases, and me and my friends, and I had one, Um, because I was a severe introvert, so I had one, Um, you know, sometimes at 9 o'clock at night when it was just starting to get dark, we'd be like, hey, I got an idea. Let's stay out tonight all the way till 11 o'clock, and let's go do something really wild. Let's go steal gas cap lids off of cars, you know, those big round Mustang ones from the 60s and the 70s, you know, we were wild, I was pretty bad back then, I really was, you know, you ever seen a gas cap from a 72 Mustang? Man, it looks like this. Look at that baby. Wouldn't you want that? I don't know what we thought we were going to do with it, hang it around our neck on chains or something. I'm not sure. But man, I, I, could, I scored one of those one time. I just looked it up. That thing's worth $65. You can almost take your whole family to McDonald's for the price of that baby right now. One time we were so wild, I scored a gremlin gas cap. Yeah. For that baby, I could go exercise on the fries. That's right. For my whole family. It's crazy. Listen, I was not a good kid. I was not raised in a Christian home and Jesus saved me. And listen, if you're from Fee's Air Force Base and you had a Mustang and somebody stole the gas cap off it, I'm sorry. Or if that was your gremlin, listen, look me up. I'm in Richmond, Kentucky. I'm sorry. But seriously, I keep expecting somebody to come up and say, did you steal a gas cap? Yeah, I did. It was terrible. But it always starts with, hey, I've got an idea, and it doesn't end well. And Jesus said, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. And they're like, okay. And they start sailing. Regardless of what was over there, it was not a long trip, but in the midst of sailing, because they were sailing, a squall came up. And the Greek word for a squall is a windstorm of wind. I don't know if you know what a squall is, but I'm from Maine. Okay, And we know what squall means. Squall means this storm came out of nowhere, from nothing. It was not projected. We didn't see it happening. It just appeared. It doesn't start. It is just suddenly there. And it's vicious. It's absolutely vicious. It lasts a short period of time. It's incredibly intense. And then it's absolutely gone. If I remember my Max Licato right... In his book, In the Eye of the Storm, which I highly recommend to you, get a hold of it and read it. You're going through a difficult time. Man, I cannot recommend that book enough. I read that book when my father-in-law was dying. Um, He was 54 years old. You've heard me say that before. But it's got, God, how am I going to get through this? And my father-in-law actually gave me that book. Um, It's called the Eye of the Storm. But this is what he said. The mountains on the east, excuse me, the mountains on the west side of the Sea of Galilee are 2,000 feet high. The higher wind comes across from the Mediterranean Sea, sailing over top of the mountains. The, The Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. So the wind comes across these mountains over top of the Sea of Galilee, and the squall was coming in because it would come in across the Sea of Galilee from the east, and it would hit the mountains. This is all according to Max Cato. It goes up the mountain, hits the crosswind, and rolls over and, and comes right straight back down into the middle of the lake. Sometimes, Max says, at over 200 miles an hour. So, when the scripture says that a squall came up, a windstorm of wind, and it was threatening to swamp the boat, it was being pitched and up and down, and the waves were crazy. Same thing when they were crossing over the night that Jesus walked on the water. This is the picture of what's going on it's flipping over, it's slamming into the Sea of Galilee, and here are these disciples doing everything they can. And remember, they're not rowing, the disciples are not rowing, they're sailing. They have a sail up, and this wind is destroying this 30-foot sailboat. Now, that's the present situation for the disciples. Who are these 12 guys? Who are they? I was thinking, 12 disciples? What What was their career before? Well, Andrew, we know, was a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. James was a fisherman. John was a fisherman. Philip, Nathaniel, and Thomas were probable fishermen. I'll get to that in a second. Matthew was a tax collector. Nathaniel, the other Nathaniel, is not known. James, the cousin to Jesus, the son of Alphaeus, didn't know his, his uh, career. Simon the Zealot, obviously a political person. His whole goal was to overthrow the Roman Empire um, uh, and, and create, uh, it says, anarchy in my in my, uh, um. um commentary that I looked up and then Judas Judas Iscariot we really didn't know what his his career was bank robber I'm not I'm not sure Um, but um, we know that he was a thief but that's all we know about who he is so there are four fishermen okay that we know for a fact were um, fishermen there's three more that we believe were fishermen because in John chapter 20 21 when when they go back to doing what they were doing before Jesus met them those three guys went back to fishing that's what they went back to And so we say, okay, seven out of the 12 were fishermen. They knew the seas. They knew how to sail. They were sailing, not rowing. They were all sitting in the boat. They were away from Jesus. It's like Jesus is at one end. They're at the other end. They're having a talk about the storm. And I love this scripture because it just came up, and it was loud, and it was sudden, and it was destructive. It was opposing like a bully, and it was suddenly gone, very much like a toddler that's not getting its way. Very much when one of your children goes ballistic and you think, what on earth is, are they doing? They lost their ever-loving mind. Are you kidding? Or, as my friend said, he was walking into Walmart one time and he said there was this four-year-old laying on the floor. The door couldn't close. It kept doing this because there was a four-year-old laying there just going absolutely nuts. Because dad did not buy her something at the checkout line. You know, those impulsive buys. That's why Walmart's evil. If they weren't evil, they wouldn't put that at the checkout. They would put it back in the section it belongs in, you know. Instead, they put it right where your kid will make you miserable. And my friend said he walked up and that child was screaming bloody murder. And the dad was going, do you know what your problem is? He said, and I'm not going to lie, Joe. He said there was a line forming. He said, and I walked up and said, yeah, I know what her problem is. He said, I think it's you. You need to pick her up and let these people go into Walmart and deal with this over there. And it was like, whoa, well, this squall is very much like that. You know, there's just suddenly you have a meltdown. And that's the deal. The progression of the story is everybody gets in the boat and Jesus falls asleep. Squall hits the boat, taking on water. You know, somebody once said, it's not the, 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 the water around the boat that's the problem. It's the water in the boat. That's the problem. And we need to keep that in mind. Then they went, went, they went. They, it's like, hey, go to the other end of the boat and wake Jesus up because yelling's not working. He's sleeping at the other end of the boat. It's only 30 feet. There's no reason to believe that there's a cabin that he's down in. He's just sleeping at the other end of the boat. It's a fishing boat. It's wide open. You got to pull the nets up. You got to pull the fish in. You got to fill the boat with fish. It's gross. It's nasty. It's all the things. So, hey, Thomas, go down there and wake him up and ask him what's what, right? So they went to wake Jesus up. And that's what they were doing. It's a 30 foot fishing craft. Does this mean Jesus was woke? I'm just asking, okay? Don't go anywhere with that. I was just asking, is Jesus woke? Um, But anyway, so Jesus gets up, he rebukes the wind, the raging water, uh, both at the same time, and it stops the whole storm. You know, I'd like to believe that when Jesus asks something of me, that it will be easy. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to believe that when you surrender your life to Jesus, that it pops up sunshine and roses, lollipops and gumdrops? I'd like to believe that the Lord says, I want you to take all this food to 300 people in Madison County that he would provide sunshine. I I would like to believe that or at least hold the rain off for a little while. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? Just surrendering your life to Jesus does not mean you automatically have an easy life from here on out because we're still human beings. We still interact with human beings. We still work with human beings. And sometimes... Listen, let's just be honest, okay? Sometimes we're the problem, okay? Don't look at me and say, yes, you are, Pastor Joe. It's like, no, I'm talking about you talk to you. I'll talk to me. Sometimes, honestly, we're the problem. We had a bad day. We had a bad attitude. We were selfish and wanted our own way. We are prideful and looking down our nose at those kind of people. We are the ones doing that. We're the ones swinging back when somebody takes a swing at us. We're the ones saying, God, I said I would follow you. Why isn't it easier than this? Why is it hard? Why? I'd like to believe that, but that's not always the case. So when Jesus asks his disciples to get in the boat, he knows there's a storm coming. I can't help but believe that he does. And he knows they're going to have to deal with it. My commentary says that this is the first miracle in the book of Luke that did not involve human beings as far as like people getting healed. This was Jesus taking control of nature. You ever done that before? You were just in a situation? Yeah. I was on a motorcycle ride one time and it just turned black and it was like, man, we got to go all the way from Kentucky to Oklahoma. I I, I do not want to put my rain suit on, Lord, really. I don't want to do that. And so as we were cruising along, just because I had actually been reading this in my daily um, devotion, I just kind of stood up on the motorcycle and I just did one of these. Peace be still. I don't want to get wet today. I rebuke you. And I sat back down on the motorcycle and there were two guys behind me on their motorcycles and I can only imagine they thought I was a nut job. But I'm not lying. From Tennessee through Arkansas all the way to western Oklahoma, there was a hole that followed us. We got off our motorcycles at a gas station one place, and my wife called me. I saw that she'd been trying to call me, and I called her back, and she said, are you guys okay? And I said, why, what's up? She goes, there is a nasty, nasty storm on top of your heads. And I said, no, no, it's right over there. And it's over there. I said, but for whatever reason, it's not here. And my friend that I had just met that went with me on this motorcycle, I heard him talking to his wife, and he said, no, I don't know. This Pastor Joe guy just waved his hand and said something, and the rain stopped. He said, it's like riding with Moses. He said, it just happened. And it's like, you know, sometimes that's where you are. We got to where we were going, and the news was saying, the guy that we were staying with that night said, get in here quickly. He said, there's grapefruit-sized hail falling a half a mile up the road from us right now. And it's like, whoa, that would have pummeled three motorcycle riders to death. This is what I want to share with you today. Being a Christian doesn't stop difficult circumstances. And you're saying, duh, Pastor Joe, we figured that out. I know, I know, I know. But I'm sharing this with you because the Lord's got a heart for you this morning. I mean, he always does, but he's got a heart for you. And some of you are like, when does it get calm? When does life get easy? When is there going to be no problems? When the trumpet sounds. And I'm looking forward to it. But until, that, until, until then, you and I as adults will continue to see the problem, solve the problem. See the problem, solve the problem. See the problem, solve the problem to the best of our ability. Being Christian doesn't stop difficult circumstances. Look in Acts chapter 5. It says, um, um, The high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were so filled with jealousy about what the the disciples were saying, they arrested the apostles, put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail, brought them out and said, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. Okay, Just for the record, they got arrested and put in jail for telling all the people about this new life. And the angel of the Lord said, hey, come out, come out, come out, come out. Now go back and do it some more. Can you imagine? It's like, well, Lord, we got arrested for it the first time. We're going to get arrested for it again. He says, I know. Look and see. Just for fun, do a Google search one time and say, hey, how did the 12 disciples die? None of them was it really pretty except for maybe one. It was tough. Sometimes life is hard. Jesus told you and I that no servant is above his master. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you as well. We're going to go through difficult situations. It's going to be hard sometimes. But winners are those that persevere, that move forward into the storm, knowing that God will either bring them through it or bring them home. And either one of those in my life is a viable option I'm ready for. Let's go, Lord. I want to come home. If not, then get me through the storm. And it's going to shape me and change me. Just because Jesus is in the boat doesn't mean we're letting him be in charge because that was the situation with the disciples, wasn't it? He was in the boat, but he was in the back sleeping. I don't know if they should have gone back there and just slept with him and let the wind carry him. I don't know what he was expecting, but I know that Jesus used it as a a teaching opportunity to say, look, I have control of this as well. Trust me in this. The second thing I want to share with you is that dying is not the worst thing that can happen to you. It's not. Do you believe in heaven? The Pharisees do, the Sadducees don't. We'll talk about that after the first year. The Pharisees believe that there's a heaven, the Sadducees don't believe that there's a heaven. See? That's why they're so sad, you see? That's how I remember that. They told me that in Bible college, paid money for that. That's right. You're like, wow, you should have gone to a real school. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Do you believe that heaven is a better place than earth? Do you believe that God will take care of your family if he calls you home? Do you believe that every day has been ordained for you before even one of them came to pass? then can we trust him? Can we not freak out? Can we not worry about dying? Because for some reason, we actually believe that it is. Check this out. The writer of the book of Hebrews shares this about human nature. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Okay? That's what he's up to right here. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's offspring, descendants. You and I. You and I. Jesus came for you and I, not for, for angels. When we're done hiding in the fear of dying, then we can begin to live. No, not being known by God is the worst thing that can happen to you, honestly. It is. It is. Meeting up with Jesus and hearing him say, I never knew you. You never walked with me. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7 that at the day of, of the great judgment, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? This is heavy on my heart as a pastor and as a Christian. Are we doing what God is asking us to do Or are we doing good things and asking God to bless it for the sake of attempting to do things with somebody that we're not in a relationship with? See? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me. Evildoers is a way of saying worldly people, not like they're just, you know, killing people. So we see that. Last thing I want to share with you is this. Jesus can handle it. Jesus can handle it. Make that it, I-T, real big. Not because you're like, you know, going on the internet or anything, but I-T, like in it. Whatever it is. Jesus can handle it. You came in here today carrying something. That something is your it. And you're wondering, God, are you going to touch this it? I need you to touch this it. Now, you've got a preconceived notion about what it looks like when Jesus touches that it. If Jesus will touch my it, then this will happen. If he doesn't do this, then I'm not sure there's a God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ask God to bring healing. Ask God to bring peace. Ask God to bring rest. Ask God to bring protection. Ask God to touch your it. Ask him to solve your problem, whatever it is. But give him the right to be God. Because he knows what's best for you. He can see down the road. He's, crying, he's trying to take care of you. But you've got to let him do it and stop going ahead of him. Jesus can handle it, whatever it is. The scripture says, according to Peter, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Due time. He's not a drive through window. In due time, hang in there, persevere, stay the course, don't give up, keep asking, keep praying for the same thing over and over and over. And when he says, stop bothering me, I'm asleep, then keep pounding on heaven's door and asking. We read that when we talked about prayer a couple months ago. Don't let up. In due time, He says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you and be alert and sober-minded because your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour, to destroy, to eat, to consume. The enemy's coming after you. He's not ignoring you. The more active you get, the more we reach into this community, the more you start talking to your friends about Jesus, the bigger the target on your back. But it's about going all in. Whatever it is, bring it to Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my teaching. My yoke is a term from 2,000 years ago that means take my understanding and interpretation of the Scriptures upon your life. Don't do it the way the Pharisees are doing it. Don't do it the way the Sadducees are doing it. Do it the way I tell you to do it. If the Scripture says love your enemy, then love your enemy. If the Scripture says go one mile, then go two miles. This is just Jesus talking to you and I. He says, listen, take my yoke upon you. Trust me in this thing, that it will go better for you if you do it my way. Keep it holy. Keep it pure. Keep it as an example for the community around you. Jesus says this, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And my soul is enjoying the rest, but it still wants more rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know when people say oh Joe you just preach an easy Jesus. It's because he said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I know but you've got to do this. Nope that's not what it says. It's Jesus and Jesus only and let him transform you and there needs to be a transformation take place but let him do it. Don't get transformed and then come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and then get transformed. That's how it works. That's how the Lord wants to do it. What does that even mean? When you're scared, when the boat's pitching, when the storm is too much, revisit your relationship with Jesus. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's what James, the brother of Jesus, said. What does that even mean? It means stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. Stop the noise, the chaos. Turn things off. Retreat if you need to. Get away from the world. Take a break and try to recapture your love for Jesus. Stop the noise. Spend time reading your Bible. Just open it up and start reading. I always recommend people in the book of John, I would encourage you to be in the Psalms as well, but just start reading. Focus on the words and what they might be saying to you. Focus on that. And ask God to speak to you. To make it real. Write it down. This is what I feel the Lord is saying. And here's one that doesn't happen very often, but check this out. If you're really serious, go ahead and fast. Fast. Just decide you're going to spend a day going without food. Let me just make it easy on you. From sun up to sundown. Fast during daylight hours. Sun up to sundown. Okay? Actually, a half an hour before and a half an hour after if you're hunting deer. Okay? But still. Okay? Daylight hours. So eat your Cheerios while it's dark. You only have to make it till six o'clock. But don't endure your fast. Look for God in your fast. The scripture says the disciples were in a 30-foot boat and they went to where Jesus was. To the other end of the boat. And they said, Lord, don't you even care that we're going to die? If you read Mark's account don't you even care? And Jesus said, don't have such little faith, man. Believe. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the, and the, and the waves and then they finished sailing. They finished sailing to the other side of the lake. Draw near to the Lord. The story is about being in a place where you need a miracle and realizing that Jesus is the answer for that. And I wonder what it is that you need this morning in the midst of a miracle. What is it you're crying out for if you're watching online? I know there's so many of you that are home this weekend. And I just want to encourage you down in the lower right hand corner is a button that says request a prayer. You can do that. There's somebody right there who wants to pray with you online. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to ask God. See, God is never not in your boat. You ever think about that? You can't You can't walk away from God. He'll always be there. You can stop doing what he says to do, but you can't walk away from him. He's always there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. There's no place you can go. No height, no depth, no principality, no power. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's not possible. So he's in the boat. But the question will be, will you let him be in charge of the boat? The boat's your life. Will you let Jesus be in charge of your boat, of your it, of your thing, of that which you think is going to kill you? These people want to pray for you. I'm going to pray right now. We're going to go into our closing song. But if you're like, yes, Pastor Joe, I needed to hear this. This is my it, and you want your it prayed for. If you're facing something, if you're going through a struggle, if it's a health issue, we still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to, to heal. And I'd rather keep praying and Maybe sooner or later something happens than say, no, God didn't do it, so we're not going to do that anymore. No, no, no. Don't let up. Let's pray. Father as we come before you right now. We thank you for this day. God, I don't understand why things went the way they did today. I don't understand this storm. Once more, in the name of Jesus, I want to rebuke that storm, God. But I just ask and pray that you would help us to understand that this storm only comes because of your permissive will. And if that's the case, then we're about to sort these groceries out and take them to people that we might not have seen later on today. So we just ask and pray that you would bless the hands that brought the food. Bless the hands that are sorting the food. Bless the hands that will take the food. Let us be inconvenienced today, God, by your will and your desire for us to make a difference in somebody else's life because you're leading us and we're not just asking you come before you, Lord, these people. We are all here and we have something going on that feels like we're drowning a little bit. We just wish you would come and sit down next to us. As we come forward, God, we just ask and pray that you would meet us right here in this place right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to invite you to your feet as we come into our worship song. These people are up here to pray with you. If you would like to come up here to be prayed for, don't leave without it. Remember, as soon as this is over, we're going to start sorting food, and then uh, we're going to have our teams that are here together go out and start delivering. That'd be great.